This is a GRDC podcast. I've been out on the road a fair bit in the western and southern regions over the course of the 2019 winter growing season, in particular just prior to harvest. G'day, my name is Chris Brown. Now, it's a bit presumptuous to make too many judgments when you're driving past a place at 100 kilometres an hour, but from what I could see, there were still plenty of paddocks that had weed issues in crop, particularly large patches of weeds that were fairly easy to see. So the job's not done when it comes to in-crop weed control, and the work of organisations like ARI, the Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative, which is a GRDC investment, is more important than ever. Towards the end of 2019, I got myself along to Moama on the New South Wales side of the Murray River to attend the Crop Protection Forum, where I was lucky enough to catch up with Hugh Becky, a fairly new director of ARI. Now, I had met Hugh a couple of times over the past 12 months, so it was great to sit down with him, pin a microphone on him, and get some of his thoughts on herbicide resistance in Australia. But first, Hugh told me a little bit about his background. I grew up on a mixed farm in Western Canada, and so I've been exposed to agriculture my whole life. I farmed for 30 years, uh, so I had first-hand, I guess, practical experience with farming and even with resistance. Of course, even I'm not immune to uh, selecting for resistance. And yeah, I I was uh, doing my PhD studies in Western Canada. I was fortunate to work on the first case of weed resistance back in 1988 with green foxtail uh, resistance to uh, trifluralin, which is a herbicide that's still widely used here today, so that's good to see. Yeah, I did my PhD on that, and then I worked for uh, the federal government in Canada for 30 years as a research scientist. So my program really focused on surveillance because I was really the first to actively monitor for resistance across uh, Western Canada, which is uh, you know almost the size of Australia, and also, but I was very focused on the applied side, so developing solutions for growers who had resistance and needed uh, answers, not just you know what herbicide should I use that mm. works, but also you know the, the whole integrated weed yeah. management space. Yeah. So, so yeah, I worked uh, in the resistance field up until 2018, mm. and then when this opportunity came in RE to succeed Professor Powell's. It was out of my comfort zone, but I thought, well, it's, uh, let's go for the ride, and it's been uh, a year and a half since, and yeah. I've enjoyed every minute. So. You say it's out of your comfort zone, but it does sound like you, you have had quite a deal of experience in the applied sort of stuff, as you say, the monitoring. and That's the- right. I think that's what they were looking for when they're looking for a replacement for Steve. I know GRDC wanted to expand the, the agronomy side of things, and I, I guess agronomy is my favorite topic. Of course, in ARI, we still have a good, strong core group working on the fundamentals, you know, the resistance mechanisms. But you do need to work across both the basic and the applied, because in the end, providing solutions for growers and keeping growers in business is really the bottom line. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, let's get to today's uh, Crop Protection Forum Mm -hmm. and the talk you gave about herbicide resistance and where things are up to. You make a point in your paper that really reducing the seed bank is the key. Why is that the case? That's quite a change in, I guess you could call it, weed management philosophy in the last 50 years in weed science. And it, it came first here from Australia 
And it was a bit provocative at the time because we thought, how can we actually eliminate the seed bank or get it down to you know, very low levels? Because we thought elsewhere that it was just, you know, this was a pie in the sky dream. But when they actually worked on it, and of course the harvest wheat seed control greatly moved the, the needle in that direction, made it much more feasible. And when people realized the long-term value of keeping a low seed bank in terms of profitability and you know, sustainable grain cropping, you know, it quickly caught on. And Australia's been the leaders. They've been very successful growers in maintaining low weed seed banks, whether it's ryegrass or, or other problematic weeds. And so that philosophy is now being adopted worldwide, mm. where before we used to have weed economic thresholds and you know we had tables in our crop protection guide saying okay if your weed densities are below this value you don't have to spray uh, but the reality is now most of our populations are resistant and to say okay these resistant plants they're not very abundant they're here and there and then you don't have to spray them but the fact that they're likely resistant means that you really do have to try and prevent seed set of every escape in some cases it's you know it's impossible but you know in Western Australia, for example, the ryegrass seed bank is less than one plant per square meter. So, you know, that is great. And they've managed to keep those populations low through good agronomy, chemical mixtures, rotations, mm. and of course, harvest weed seed control has really uh, made a difference in yeah. that regard. Yeah. Of course, the idea, this idea of, of reducing the seed bank is not just at the end of a season, is the beginning of a season as well, in terms of reducing. That's right. In terms of whether it's fallow management, yeah, yeah that's mm. right. Uh, so throughout the whole season, you know, if you control weeds in your summer fallow, for example, you conserve moisture, and so that has benefits in terms of crop production. And so you're right; it's a multi-year within-season mm. uh, strategy, mm. and that's really widely uh, adopted in Australia. Now, you also point to, I suppose, you. A little bit of history here, you point to the change back to pre-emergence, I suppose, in one way. That's right. You know, when I started farming in Western Canada, you know, we were so excited when whole grass came on the market in 1976, which is diclofop. The group A's were wonderful chemistry and grass weed control was absolutely fantastic. And then a few years later, we had the group B's like Gleam or Chlorsulfuron and you know, they really did revolutionize weed management to the next level, but it, more importantly, it really enabled no tillage cropping to mm. flourish. You know, before that, you know, we used to, my father used to, you know, put down, for example, treflan or trifluralin and seed as canola, but you had to make sure those fields were pretty clean when you seeded that. Well, now we have such good pre-em herbicides, you know, whether it's Acura, whether it's Boxer Gold, or even trifluralin is still working. Growers know how to use them, you know, to optimize their mm. uh, effectiveness in terms of uh, weed management, whether it's in wheat or what have you. And so, yeah, we've seen this real uh, 360 mm. uh, in terms of going from the trend towards post-emergence in the 70s and 80s, now back into pre-emergence, mm. largely because a lot of our post-emergence products, we have so much group A, group B resistance to our post products. Uh, but it's, so it's been, you know, are pre-ems that have really done the heavy lifting in terms yeah. of whether it's ryegrass control or, or radish control or what have you. But is there a danger there of too much reliance? A real wake-up call was this population that was reported by researchers at the University of Adelaide, population of ryegrass that, 
you know, was resistant to all the preams used in ryegrass control. Even pyrosulfatol, which was the first case of uh, resistance to that active ingredient, and it was also, of course, resistance to group A's, group B's glyphosate. So that was a real wake-up call. They called it an alphabet cross-resistance because it was resistant basically to all the letters in mm. the, the herbicide classification. And so, yeah, we can't assume that, you know, whether it's box or gold or Sakura, that we can't use them every year and expect, you know, resistance not to evolve. No herbicide is resistance proof, and that's been demonstrated. And that's been demonstrated in your labs. So. Yeah, and especially when you get metabolic resistance, which cuts across herbicide groups, you can have populations resistance to herbicides that are not yet even brought on the market. And we know there's a lot of metabolic resistance in ryegrass especially, and so you not only have to think about maybe rotating herbicides based on their, their group number, group letter, but also, you know, is this herbicide is it likely going to be metabolized by these ryegrass populations similarly? We're getting a better understanding and we hope to give that to growers in the next couple of years in terms of, okay, this is how you should rotate based on the grouping, but these particular herbicides, for example, are metabolized by a similar enzyme family. These ones over here metabolized by a different family, so you should be mixing those up as yeah, well. Yeah. And so uh, uh, it's just giving growers a bit more information in terms yeah. of how to best steward these herbicides to keep yeah. them as effective as, as long as possible. So mixing within the groups. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Not just um, uh, across groups, but within mm -hmm. groups. Yeah. Okay. Now, for some good news, you've talked about the development of weed-competitive crop cultivars. As a weed scientist, I had conversations with plant breeders who get all the glory, of course, all the money, all the glory. And so it's, it's refreshing to hear that uh, researchers were having frequent conversations with the plant breeders, and they, they realize that it's in their best interest in their business model to try and deliver varieties, whether it's wheat. They're focusing mainly on cereals now, so mm. wheat, barley. Can we deliver varieties that are more weed competitive? And usually that means early vigor, early yeah. in the growing season, because yeah. if you can outcompete the weeds early when weeds cause the most yield damage, then you know this natural biological control is really the foundation for resistance management because it's you're suppressing weeds naturally. The herbicides don't have to do the heavy lifting in terms of weed control, and so you delay resistance uh, from developing. So there's a lot of benefits down the line, and and we expect by 2025 that growers will have a variety of different cultivars to if they have a paddock that's very weedy, and you know they can say, well, here's a very weed competitive cultivar. Of course, yield and quality will always be top of mind, but this is just some more information we can give to growers by rating these cultivars through non-destructive ways very quickly. It's just one more piece of information growers have to manage their yeah. paddocks and their farm. And crop competition but it just works so well, doesn't it? That's it? right. It really is the foundation of everything in terms of weed management. And yeah, again, if you have a healthy crop, it goes a long ways towards not only realizing your yield potential, but also managing weeds with as, uh, you know, with as few herbicide applications as, as possible. And that's really the end goal is to try and reduce our herbicide use. That way we'll, we'll keep our chemicals uh, working longer in the paddock. Yeah, speaking of which, site-specific management is, well, it, it seems there's so much work going on in that space. It seems exactly. like we must be on a cusp somewhere. I think so. You know, things are moving very rapidly and talking to particularly the folks in the private industry. There's some companies that have hired 
hundreds of software engineers to develop these algorithms or formulas mm -hmm. um, in terms of weed recognition. Uh, apparently machine learning or artificial intelligence is the most optimal route to get to green on green as they call it, yeah. in other words precision weed management within a crop. Well the work by uh, Sydney University. That's right, right. University yeah. of Sydney looking at so weed detection is first and then can we use lasers or, yeah. you know, or just precision uh, herbicide targeting. That is going to reduce selection pressure. The cost savings in terms of herbicides, like we know in fallow, cost savings are between 40 and 90 percent. It very, of course it depends on the weed density. A green on brown of course is a reality now mm. and a number of growers are, are using these optical sprayers and the payback is within two, three years. And so I think green on green, but not necessarily real-time application, but we can also, right now, we can map weed patches in a paddock. We know with harvest weed seed controls that weeds are becoming more patchy over time, lower densities, and so we already have the tools to map these weed patches, either uh, cameras mounted on drones or satellites uh, or even new tools that we're looking at in terms of uh, late season uh, weed detection. You develop a prescription map which is fairly straightforward and then the next season, okay, here's your weed patches and we already have the variable rate capability on our farm equipment. And so that might be an interim step to green on green. It's just a patch management. Mm. Right now the adoption has always been a problem but I think, you know, timing is everything and mm. I think within five years we're going to see quite a transformation in this area well, I'm glad and driven by the private sector yeah yeah, yeah. I'm glad I pinned you down to it <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> mind you uh, you know I'm sometimes I'm not good at predictions but um, <laughs> things are moving very rapidly yeah yeah, yeah. there has to be a breakthrough yeah that's right, right. Yeah. yeah and things are sort of coming together all at once in yeah. terms of computing power in terms of sensors yeah. and yeah RE director Hugh Becky, and if you haven't already, make yourself familiar with the RE website and also the WeedSmart website for the latest information and advice on minimising weeds and weed resistance.